From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend and to another installment of our special series, Undercover, where we are going all in on the different ways a book comes to life. Last week, we uncovered the thorny business of book blurbs. And today, we are talking all about the audiobook, which I happen to be obsessed with. It can be such a pleasure when a great audiobook narrator just reads you a story. I love that I can listen while I'm walking the dog or doing dishes or sitting in terrible traffic. So much so, in fact, that I have probably pressured most of the people in my life into listening to audiobooks, too. For me, there's nothing like a book on tape, as they used to be called, to really bring a text to life. I spent much of my childhood listening to the sound of striving. To Harry Potter, the boy who lived. I ran to the living room to see what was wrong, and I found you struggling to free your arm from what seemed to be a hole in the wall. The idea of an audiobook, of course, is super simple. You get it from the library or another app. You press play and magically a voice in your headphones or on your car speakers reads out loud to you. No stumbles, no pauses to sip a glass of water, no shuffle of pages turning. And there's something really magical about that, something that appeals to our most elemental selves. When we're born, we are already wired to respond to the sound of our, our mother's voice. We've been responding to it in the womb. Just from, from, you know, right out of our wrapping, we are ready to listen to stories. So much of why we read is to be transported into someone else's mind or someone else's way of viewing the world. It's like a, the family or the tribe is gathered around a fire at night, uh, you know, outdoors, and, and a storyteller is telling the story. In a sense, audiobooks take us back to that Um, that world before the novel. You know those how-it's-made videos that show you how hard candy or soda cans or crayons are made in the bowels of a factory? Today, we are going to do something similar, except we'll be using our ears to follow the life cycle of an audiobook from author to producer to narrator to the sounds coming out of your earbuds. And we are going to tell you all about it. Turns out the history of the audiobook is deeply rooted in the history of disability justice in the United States. All the way back in 1932, the American Federation for the Blind began making what was then known as talking books. WPA aids the blind. Path A News. This is one of the most comfortable ways of reading that I know of and may be envied by those who have their own sight. The person who suggested this project and is responsible for it is Miss Helen Keller, not only the most outstanding sightless person in America, but one of the Republic's foremost citizens. I did not know this history, but it also didn't totally surprise me because I first learned about books on tape from my legally blind opa, my dad's dad, who would get them mailed to him from the Library of Congress. Fast forward to today, and the audiobook business is thriving. According to the audiobook company Libro, 2022 was the 10th straight year of double-digit growth in audiobook sales. In 2021, revenue increased by 25% over the year before. That's more than $1.5 billion. And publishers are making more audiobooks than ever. A person with a big role in your favorite audiobooks, but whose voice you'll never actually hear, is the producer. What does that person actually do? I mean, I think I've been explaining it to my parents for the past 12 years. 
Meet Sarah Jaffe. She's an executive producer at Penguin Random House Audio. What that actually means is uh, mostly I think my 10-year-old self would be thrilled. I get paid to read books all day, talk to really brilliant authors, and then do sort of the dream casting that I think we all do in our heads of like, okay, who, what kind of voice uh, what would I need to, to play this character? And then I get to find and hire that voice. One of my favorite voices is this guy. I am Kevin R. Free. I am a multi-hyphenate artist, and I suppose I'm on the Nerdette podcast because I'm an audiobook narrator. That is the hat for which you are interviewing me. Kevin has been wearing that hat since 2000. I love him because he narrates Martha Wells' Murderbot Diaries. I could have pulled out at this point, sabotaged the hoppers, and got my humans out of there, leaving the rogue units stuck on the other side of an ocean. That would have been the smart thing to do but I wanted to kill them. Which is a much more delightful series than the title may suggest. It could be really easy to think of an audiobook as a person just reading stuff out loud. Anyone could do that, right? Actually, though, it takes a lot of artistry. For Kevin, it wasn't even a career path he had originally considered. I grew up wanting to be an actor, and that meant theater, and then eventually TV, and then movies, and then, you know, death. It took him a while to fully embrace audiobook narration as the actual goal. But he says it's the only time he gets to use all of his talents as an actor. You know, when I'm doing an audiobook, I get to play a leading man. (laughs) It's, it's, It's exciting. Another one of my favorite readers is Robin Miles. I'm your pretty much garden variety actor. Went to conservatory to train, studied a little in in England, which was really fun. And then I discovered audiobooks, and it pulled my focus. (laughs) Robin has range. I first heard her when she did the sci-fi series The Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. She's also known for narrating Isabel Wilkerson's nonfiction book, The Warmth of Other Suns. You can also hear her doing fiction like The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Evelyn Hugo is one of the biggest movie stars of all time. She doesn't even have to have something to say for people to listen. This could be a big cover for us, right? I mean, she's a living legend. Wasn't she married eight times or something? Seven, Frankie says. And yes, this has huge potential, which is why I hope you'll bear with me through the next part of this. Both Robin and Kevin said they don't read the book before agreeing to voice it, which to me feels like a big risk. Do you ever regret that? (laughs) Um, You didn't hear it from me, but yes. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, I'm just really giving you all the tea, all the secrets here. They decide based on what they know, who the author is, the synopsis of the book, stuff like that. So a lot of times I don't know what the book is going to be about except for the description that is sent to me by a publisher. If they accept the gig, then they start reading. Sometimes Robin's husband helps her out with that part. He's Robin's production manager, and he's a super fast reader. If she's tight on time, she has some tricks, too. What I've discovered is that most mainstream books, right around page 80, you're going to find, like, the first significant incident. As the narrators are reading, they are taking lots of notes. Some are probably pretty obvious. Names they don't know how to pronounce, pivotal scenes with a big emotional moment, stuff like that. 
But what really blew my mind to think about was how narrators bring characters to life with different voices. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes the book mentions an accent specifically. Like the pirates. Good Lord. You know, all that Cockney accent, right? When all them pirates, like, uh, and it's just, it's just pounding on my vocal cords. One one book I did had the character, the actual human, like Howlin' Wolf, the blues singer, and basically, I mean, Howlin' Wolf basically sounds sort of like that, you know. <laughs> she says, and then coughs. But sometimes a character's characteristics are a lot more subtle. For example, what might a really tall woman named Fran sound like? Robin has a whole process of figuring that out. The other character's like five foot three, so, and they're best friends. So every time she's with her best friend, she's looking down. So I just, I took my finger and I said, well, what happens if I just tip my chin down and start talking from that position? And I moved my text down so that I could... I could keep the physical position. And all of a sudden, when I did that, when I put my finger here and it compressed my voice box just a little bit, and then say what happens when I write, and I'm doing that right now, I'm compressing my voice box. You get, and that, that's Fran. And that's where she talks. As Robin and Kevin mentioned, they're both professional actors, but sometimes there's another sort of person who narrates an audiobook, the author themselves. We'll hear from a couple of them right after the break. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. With nonfiction, especially memoir, it's pretty common for the writer to be the narrator, whether or not they have a performance background. I never thought about, like, somebody else narrating mine. Well, I mean, I would like to hear what Michael Fassbender would do with the text. <laughs> you know, if he'd give kind of a, um, just kind of a muscular read of my work. That is the delightful Maeve Higgins. She's a comedian. You might hear her sometimes on the NPR quiz show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. She's also the author of two books, Maeve in America and Tell Everyone on This Train I Love Them. And she narrated both of them. Because I'm a performer and a writer, it was kind of obvious for me. And also, you know, to be crass, Greta, you also get paid. It's like another way of getting paid because whoever narrates the audiobook, you know, it's a job. So if you do it, then you get the money. What's less common but still happens now and then is for a fiction writer to narrate their own book. Mosin Hamid is the author of five novels and a collection of essays, and he's narrated all of them. In a city swollen by refugees, but still mostly at peace, or at least not yet openly at war, a young man met a young woman in a classroom and did not speak to her for many days. He says narrating his own words made the most sense to him too, but for a different reason than Maeve. I probably spend more time in my study pacing around reading my manuscripts out loud than I do actually typing into my computer. You know, I'm a very oral I guess, writer. Uh, I, I write through my ears. And, um, and so it was just natural, I guess, to, to go and record them. Whether you're a professional actor or someone who talks to yourself in your study, the recording process itself is pretty similar. Based on how many pages the book is, you can figure out how long it'll take to record the text. Generally, it's about twice as long as the final product. That means if you're listening to a 10-hour audiobook, that probably took about 20 hours in the studio. Though, of course, some narrators are faster than others. 
Once that voice or voices are hired and the studio time is booked, the narrators show up and just read. Just kidding. For the actors, there are definitely some vocal warm-ups involved. In the morning, I do one that goes, I go low and very high. So I go, uh, and open my throat. So I do that. That's one. This is very embarrassing to me. <laughs> Blowing out my lips, humming, hmm, using lots of vibrations. I beat, in, beat on my chest like that. Um, I also do a deep breathing exercise where I just go, hello. as long as I can. My voice goes down into my body uh, and gets supported by all the muscles uh, between the ribs. And then I'm ready to go. Maeve mentioned there are also some rules. You're not supposed to eat chocolate or like drink fizzy drinks or anything because it makes your voice cool. Kind of funny. (laughs) And then comes the reading. Even if a narrator is alone in a studio, usually at least one person is listening in by Zoom or something similar. That is the director. Their role is to help the narrator understand and interpret the text to really bring it to life. Here's Mosin Hamid again. Director, you know, it's a bit like, I guess, a conductor in an orchestra, right, who's who's sort of, as you're going, um, you know, telling you when to bring up the woodwinds and when to sort of reduce the strings. Simone Barros is an audiobook director. She says her role is to be the eyes and ears for the producer. She also thinks of narrating as a sort of instrumentation. I consider the audiobook an actor's medium because they sometimes are voicing several characters and all keeping those characters in a certain sound and tone and genre. And so for directing it, it's great to be a support to them and to catch all of the fine details that you're going to miss when you're in the moment bringing a character to life. Directing is all about being super present in the room during the recording, but also listening with fresh ears as a listener would. I think there's room in audiobooks and where the ones that sing are so strong is when the voice is really present and intimate with the listener. And then there's also rhythm that when you're carried along with the book, because the actor is really giving you um, a strong sense of thrust when the scenes are tense and have action in them or have, you know, an argument between them, when they follow that through in the rhythm and you can feel through the punctuation of the words and the thrusting through from the words, that argument surrounds you or that action moment surrounds you. And that's what a really beautiful audiobook can do. It really takes you places. So once the recording is done, once the narrator has gotten through the whole text and the director has helped them do it, often in full eight-hour recording days at a studio, the audio goes off to editors. They're the ones who take that 20 hours of recording, which has good stuff in it, but maybe also some stumbles or stutters or bad pronunciations, and they take all that stuff out. So all you have left is the good stuff. A producer listens to a draft to make sure all that audio is clean before it gets sent out to audiobook websites. There's what's called a QC listen. QC stands for quality control. And it's something we do with podcasts, too, to make sure nothing is out of place and everything sounds how it's supposed to. A process I am very familiar with. 
The number of retakes I do per episode is a secret I will never tell. Also, I tell a lot of really bad jokes that don't make it into the show, which is probably for the best. But it's one thing to do that for a 30-minute podcast episode. It's a way different job for a 10-hour audiobook. It's a lot. Oh, yes. And it can be painful. I have probably listened to hundreds of audiobooks, and most of them sound absolutely perfect. But every now and then, I'll hear something small, like a weird breath or a mispronunciation. And recently, I listened to an audiobook that mispronounced a Chicago street. They said Paulina, and it's supposed to be Paulina, which is one of those that, like, you know, it's a very specific Chicago thing. Like, yeah. I could totally understand not double checking. Well, first, I'll just say that you listing those things just raised, raised my I'm blood sorry. pressure. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> These are the things that keep me up at night. It takes a village to get the audio version of a book out into the world. Everyone we talked to about making audiobooks had a certain reverence for the process, from the micro level with double-checking pronunciation to a more 20,000-foot view, reflecting on the importance of the medium. Here's producer Sarah Jaffe again. So much of why we read is to be transported into someone else's life, or someone else's way of viewing the world. And, you know, books are really magical in that, you know, someone makes some marks on a piece of paper and it does that for you magically somehow. Um, I think audio enhances that and I think it brings the text to life in a way that's very visceral. And Maeve Higgins totally agrees from the point of view of someone who has narrated her own books, but also as a fan of audiobooks in general. When you write a book, you have to understand the the main way that book is going to be received is by somebody alone, you know, just one person in their head. It's such an internal thing that you trust. OK, I'm going to hand this over to you now and then you can take it in and, and feel it however you want or reject it. Um, and so I think having control over the audio, you know, sidesteps that a little bit which is not a very pure way and I still know lots of people who are like oh audiobooks are not the same as reading a book but um my poor brain like is so frazzled from the last I don't know just being alive (laughs) um I'm happy for someone to take on a little bit of the labor because in the end what's better than having someone tell you a story Next week on Nerdette Undercover, we are going from the page to the screen. Can a movie or TV show ever be better than the book? And what do authors really think about the changes made to their story? You can find out next week. Thank you for listening. We would love to know all about your favorite audiobooks and why you listen. You can find us at our Facebook group. It's called Nerdette Headquarters. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash HQ to join there. Or, of course, you can chime in on Instagram or Twitter at Nerdette Podcast. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banaszak. We will see you next week. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so... No one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.